All right, this is the Euphoria Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever else you may get your podcast. Today, it's Euphoria Episode 12. I'm your host, Dracos, alongside Yamato Cannon, and today's special guest, Luca the Bazooka, a.k.a. Perks. How you doing, buddy? Hey, uh, Dracos, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I just woke up uh, 15 minutes ago, maybe 20, so I'm kind of like sleepy still, but I am doing pretty, pretty good overall, yeah. Nice man. Good, good to hear. In the midst of everyone being uh, uh, staying at home all the time, every single day. Yamato, you have any updates on on your life, on your status, on how you're doing before we get into the discussion today? I'm uh, I'm taking secret walks in the night when everything's safe. You know, just to to keep sane and honestly helped a lot. You know, but hanging in there like everybody else can't complain. Do you want to give us a quick recap of your Twitch Rivals experience? I know you played in uh, in that yesterday. I don't I don't really know anything about it. I didn't get a chance to watch. Honestly, it was so terrible. We're getting smacked so hard every single game. I am smurfing every language though. I'm playing bot for some reason. I'm playing. No, but, 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 what, what is that? Like what is Twitch Rivals? So Twitch Rivals is like uh, you can sign up and say like Twitch streamers. There's like eight captains and they choose players to have for their teams. So it's like there's like a draft and then they just like recruit players and um, then just like stream teams play against each other. Mm-hmm. So like okay. the Turkish team with like Taldrin and Naru and whoever. And then there's like a Solari team, a French team. Not as cool as the NA one because that's where Yasu and Tyler One and all these people play. Uh, but okay, it's all right. Okay. It's all right. Cool, I cool. mean, that, that's a lot of former pro players you've listed off so far, Yamada. Did you enjoy playing against the former TCL pros? Honestly, like in the beginning, uh, I was playing versus Zergsting and Padden with their also like former pro players. Honestly, I was destroying them both. MF rotating on the map, Rift Herald, Drake, everything. <laughs> then eventually we just lose the game. The story of every game. Win bot, lose game. Useless role bot. Honestly. Debatable. <laughs> I think the problem is I don't play Aphelios. <laughs> I don't play the OP champs. I'm just playing Ezreal every game. <sighs> Man, Ezreal is probably the OP champ. All right. Well, aside from from Twitch rivals, um, we're here to talk. Of, uh, we're here today to talk about a lot of different things. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about G two esports, obviously, specifically, and what to expect for playoffs. Before we get into our G two discussion, I want to talk about the thing that's on a lot of people's mind. MVP voting is happening right now, as we just finished week nine of the regular season, and we're about to head into playoffs. Um, so, I wanted to get both of your thoughts on the MVP race candidates for mvp and i think to nobody's surprise luke is on a lot of people's short lists um but before we get into the thick of that i wanted to know when you look at mvp when you vote on mvp for both of you what is it that you look at because there's usually two different criteria usually people are either like the best objective player in the league or the player who is most valuable to a team and without this player like the team collapses or is significantly worse so i was curious how you guys felt about that hmm. i was kind of judged uh basically just by watching all the games and seeing how much impact does someone actually have for a team and by, of course the team has to be like a top team it can't be like a and the rank six team, and then you can give an mvp somewhere there who is the best performer there that's that's not how i would do it in my opinion for example, I, I could say um, I can say that uh, I think Bifo, Reckless, and Selfmet are all on like my list uh, of MVPs because uh, I think they were all like playing like for example, Reckless is playing really really well. I think like every single game almost, 
maybe besides like the game that they played against us, the the first game when he was playing Aphelios, <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> just a champ though. And uh, Bipo had like insane games from Toplin. Like he actually had like really good like roams and stuff that he was doing on the map. And uh, Selfman had like really good early games, right? So Demtree and Afari would be like my votes, basically just because of how good they all played consistently. But the only thing is like for Bipo, he carried some games really hard, but then he also had some games where he was like really inting. So then you have to like, I guess, I don't know, take the middle ground. And it's hard to do a vote like that. I think it's hard to be completely uh, fair and objective because every opinion is subjective in a way. And you have to really try to like see how they like what do they actually do in the games, and I just like I'm gonna compare stats or whatever. So it's uh, not an easy vote, I for sure. I I have to agree with the like the the notion of like the top teams belonging, like the players from top teams belonging there. Like usually, what I look at, if anything, is like how do these players perform against. Like the top end, so for example, how did G2 play against Origin or how did G2 play against Fnatic and vice versa. And then the consistency uh, in general over the season. I think I like to separate it by role. Basically, like every role has different impact depending on the meta and the season. And I think uh, sometimes it's uh, easier to value one role higher than the other because sometimes like uh, maybe one, one year... Uh, one player is playing brown funnel at the whole split, you know, and it's hard to to put him in a light or like Wonder's case where he played many games on Soraka, Jana, and so forth. I think um, the way I like to view it is just how much does one player separate themselves from the rest in their position. And I think for me, like from that example, I think you uh, perks and Yankos. In terms of the competition, I think there's like a wide gap between you and the person that's behind you, and I value that uh, pretty highly on, on on an MVP voting. So my first question coming out of that then is: is there's actually two things that I'm really interested in. Is the but first, I just want to start with when we talk about MVP. In my eyes, the criteria is the um, like the most valuable player for a team, the player with the most impact on a team, right? Which makes it hard for me to say like when you say fanatic, you listed three names pretty easily. Perks and, and Yamada, when you talk about G2, you listed Yankos and Perks really easily too. Um, do you think that there can be multiple candidates for MVP on the same team, or should there just be one most valuable player on, on like any given team? I mean, I think for sure there is an argument like to be made for each player on Fnatic's team. Uh, I, I don't think it should be like a because, like, for example, the Reckless would have not like he would have not been just because of his role, he would have not been like nearly as useful. If Bipo, like, I remember, like, a lot of games, Bipo was, like, really roaming bot and really, like, doing, like, engages and stuff, being really ahead top, and Reckless would just get kills in teamfights, right? And that's his role, kind of. But it's also, like, Bipo doing, out, like, outside of the box plays to get Reckless ahead. So it's hard to actually make a, make a clear cut, a clear cut candidate. You could also, I guess, you could also make the same argument for both me and Yankos. Like, let's say... Uh, I I I should not be on the wall. I mean, like, I should not be on the wall because I have Yankos as a jungler who is like doing really good every game, right? And then you can also make a vote for against Yankos, where just like, oh, but why would he be the MVP when he has mid priority game? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that he does have mid priority game, but you know, if you look at the games, like he could have mid priority most of the games. <laughs> so 
yeah, it's a it's a hard. It's not like an easiest uh, easiest way to to discuss. Yeah. So rather than talk about kind of I guess MVP for the league to start to like go to go deeper into this, what if we just pick MVPs for teams? Because I think this is where it gets really hard, right? Is because. I you list three members of Fnatic, but someone on Fnatic has to be like the best possible MVP candidate, right? At the end of the day, someone has to be like the true most valuable player from Fnatic. Because I think that if everyone's a valuable player, like no one's that valuable, right? Like obviously everyone is good; they're all okay. fantastic that, players. That's a point, yeah. But like no one can be the most. Like if everyone's doing you know twenty percent damage, then no one is like doing you know a great amount, right? But it's still um, hard. Like I was still like I was still I was still have to choose between self man and reckless. Like I think there is like Eddie Carries and who could do like job that reckless does. Maybe we don't actually know for sure, right? But it could be easier than like self uh self was pretty solid this split, like all around. So I mean it's still it's still hard. Like I actually don't have like I don't think I have enough uh info on this topic just because mm-hmm. I don't think I've watched every single game of the splits from uh, each given team. Uh, besides the games that we played ourselves, right? I always rewatch those and see what, like, I did wrong or what we did wrong or what we did good for that effect. But uh, for Fnatic, I, I, I'm, I can't say for sure either. So maybe Amato has like a more detailed approach to that. Like on on Fnatic's end, for me it would be like I think I think their bot lane was outperforming every bot lane uh, in the split. So like they would be my my all star bot lane for sure, I think um, just the the way they manage wave and uh, in general how they play is very very consistent and solid in games where uh, the rest of the fanatic map might be playing worse. Like I think um, basis of what base base of what the rule was, I think they got the most out of it. Uh, whether it was playing Aphelios or Misfortune, and I think this is what you usually have to judge bot lanes on in in spring. Uh, I I would put Bipo as as my top candidate in Fnatic just because of you know I th- I think there were some games and some performances where like he 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 might be a, a bit flippy but on the higher end I think that happened more often than the lower end especially at the second half of the split I think he had uh, you know very unique ways of of picking champions like I remember the thing that stood out to me the most and. You know, uh, to your point that you mentioned earlier, Perks, that we are biased in some shape or form because some memories just stick stronger with us. And I remember him taking Predator into Janna Top, and I was like, "This is this is so big brain." You know, I, I was uh, super super impressed. He had the Zach Top into Kled, where uh, Selfmade kind of carried him through the early game, and then he kind of smurfed the whole game. And I think um, we just put Bipo there because of his uh, higher end performances and. Uh, They've been more uh, than less uh, throughout the split. I mean, I'm in the same camp, Yamato, and I think you're right in that I'm a sucker for flashy moments. So, like, if I um, like, I don't always value consistency because, like, Luke, you brought up Alfari, and Alfari's incredibly consistent, always doing well, but he's not he's not as flashy, and I think that makes him go under my radar a bit. But you know, Blipo's number one in solo kills for top laners in the league. And he's only number eight in deaths. Because normally when I talk about Whippo getting a lot of solo kills, it comes at the cost of him, I mean, dying a million times. But for context, he has 11 solo kills. And he's got the same amount of isolated deaths as Wonder, who has one. And obviously the stats don't tell you the whole story, right? But like that to me kind of expresses what I think about Whippo in the sense that he's a guy who's going to make shit happen. And you're right that it's not always the right thing. It's it's not always the best thing. He and Hill is saying, I think, are very similar that way. But 
His stats are off the wall. I think for the first time in a long time, it feels like he's consistently on the positive end of his impact rather than being on the negative side of that coin flip. So yeah, I'm I'm on board with the the Whipple MVP. But the way that Luke is talking makes me feel like I maybe I'm not appreciating self made enough. Possible, very possible. You know how it goes. It's just Dolphin is jungle difference. That's what I hear from my top player. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't know for sure. Like I really don't have enough information, but for sure, like those two players on Fnatic, I've like just stuck out the most in my head. So, yeah. do you think MVP can be realistically can be anyone that isn't from G two or Fnatic? Like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Alfari, but like, is that does that feel real to you? Because there's technically there's there's six teams are in our playoffs, right? And I think that like you could make an argument. I don't think so. No, actually, if you think about it, no, no. I mean, it's like top one and top two should probably get MVP. Like probably some from the team like should get MVP unless like everyone is somehow running it so hard and they're still winning every game, which which could be like the case for like let's say G2 and Fnatic, but that that was not the case. So yeah, I think yeah. It's probably if we go down, the more down we go, the less chance someone has. So yeah. then the player that comes to my mind is a guy like Febovin. And my my read on Febovin may be wrong, so feel free to correct me here. But Febovin, I felt like when he was on Assassin Picks, like the Keanu, like the LeBlanc early in the season, he was like hard smurfing every game and just like actually smashing. Uh, and so to me, he felt like the clear, like most valuable player for Misfits. And I put him in my candidacy just because um, I'm a firm believer that like your first, uh, you can only have one MVP candidate per team. So I picked my G2 MVP. I picked my Fnatic MVP. And after that, I was like, oh, gee, eh, no strong feelings. Mad, eh, no strong feelings. And I was like, well, Misfits, I feel like Febovin is far and away, like when he's playing well, the best player on that team. He's a reason why a lot of these like win streaks come out. Is that right? Do you think that's fair? It, has Febovin had as an impressive as, of a season as I think he has? Uh, I think that's somewhat fair. Uh, I think that he is probably the best player on Misfits. And... I think uh, Razork is pretty good too, or like they they usually play well together. Uh, but um, I I mean I, I would have to agree with you to a somewhat extent because I think he had a really really good season. Like given the like it's not like his team. I mean I don't want to like flame them or something, but it's not like his teammates are actually like the best or like close to being the best in their roles compared to like let's say when he was playing on H2K back in the days or. Mm. Fnatic back in the days, right? So back then he had like comparably better teammates than he has now compared to the rest of the league. So uh, given that his performance was like a top mid in the league where I think the mid laners in the league are not bad at all. So he was definitely performing very well, uh, especially like compared to his previous year where he wasn't, he didn't have like much of an impact in any games. Or like in in games, I don't want like like flame that hard, you know. But he did play really well this split, so I would he could be. I think he could be the exception to what I said. Mm. I think it would make sense, but it would still also like be kind of like unfair to. I don't know what misses ended like ten eight or eleven seven. I'm not yeah. sure. It like was. It, it, was... Still, it would still be kind of unfair to the uh, let's say uh, Yankos or. Me <laughs> for the fact, <laughs> or I don't know someone else from Fnatic who could get it because the, just the score was like uh, much higher. And in that fact, if you check the wins, those players would probably be having like higher 
like higher consistency of higher impact. I don't know if that makes sense, like what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's, it's really hard thing. Like I don't know how how do you want to judge. Like I don't know how to really judge this, right? It's it's really yeah. like let's say if Misfits was like thirteen five and they finished somehow three, and then Fabian was like reason why they were winning all those games, then you could have like a then you could actually be like, oh shit, yeah, the guy should get the MP for sure. You know, like he just single handedly carried Misfits. But it's not like it's not like league is like that anymore. It's really like about who actually does the most for the team and people who like. That's why I value Biffle's performances because even though he doesn't actually always like pop up super hard, he does play really well for his team. Uh, I I noticed that as a player, right? Because I play against him and I see him play, so he pressures very well, and that's why. Uh, I mean, I'm not like a Biffle fanboy, but we did have like. This week where we were playing set a lot, <laughs> both of us. So I, I, I think people' performance was pretty good this play. Yeah. Yamato, I'm curious. There's, there's two things I want to hit, and one is just: is there anyone that stands out to you, Yamato, as a candidate for MVP that is not on G2 Fanatic, that is not Febben? Is there another name that you think needs to be on this list before we hit our last topic uh, on MVP? Honestly, I, I don't think so. Like, I'm I'm looking down the teams. I think, like, if I had to choose, I think choosing someone for Rogue would be the hardest. I think it's, like, really, really difficult because I think they are just, like, they, their performance is really reliant on each other. Uh, I think Rogue is, like, the epitome of that. I think maybe, like, if anyone, maybe Finn, he had, like, some good Aatrox moments. Uh, so Rogue would be difficult. Fabian, I agree with. Alfari, Whippo, for sure. I think Mad Lions, if anyone, it would be Kaiser. But then again, it's like it's not enough to be in consideration. I think uh, it's it's really, really far-fetched to take anyone outside of a Fnatic G2, in my opinion. But uh, I do agree with the choices. If we had to gun to my head, you know, uh, choose one yeah. from, from each team. Yeah, Mad, Mad Lion, I think honestly every single one of those teams is, is difficult. And I think Origin is only easy for me because Alfari is so consistently dominant in lane. Otherwise, I'd actually have no idea. Because that team is very similar to Rogue in the sense that I think that like they either live or die together. Everything that they do is kind of you know these like coordinated set plays, and that's not fair to them. It's not everything that they do, but most a lot of their success looks like that. So it's not the flashiness that that I maybe love and prefer to see. Um, but the final question, and this is kind of the one that I think is going to be difficult, because the question is who is our actual our actual league MVP? And and Luca, I want you to jump in wherever it feels appropriate, but I also don't want to put you on the spot because to me. My number one and number two candidates are uh, both from G2 Esports, and it's you and it's Yankos. And I think I would guess that 75% of people are in this boat. And Yamato, I wanted to get your take on like who, who comes out on top, because I actually think it's, it's very, very, very hard to make this, uh, to make this call. I think um, like on my end, I, I chose Yankos as my number one and Perks as number two. Okay. Uh, okay. Man. Oh, 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 sorry. Okay, I will. I will take. I will choose you as that number two caster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. In my in my first split, it's not too bad. So, okay. <laughs> As uh, I think the biggest reason, it, you know, it's it's always the the, the context, you know, because like if 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 I went into playoffs, what team would I want to have? I would want to have G two, even though I think uh, Hilisang uh, performance across the split was better than than Mickey. But then again, Miki against Hilisang, when you guys played against him, I think Miki played better than Hilisang in the context of you guys against Fnatic. Then I think also, like in the context of, of you specifically, I remember like one Silas game against Mad Lions, that was a rough one. 
you've been playing super, super much Akali. I think this is super positive because no one else is playing it. And I think you guys are shaping yourself to prepare yourself to cover as much as possible coming into playoffs, right? You guys are not looking to stomp every game as much as possible. And I think Jankos has always been like picking the champion that kind of ties everything together and his performance needs to be like consistent to support that. And I think he always kind of delivered. And I value that super highly, especially in the games against uh, against Origin and uh, and Fnatic. I think always Janko's performance is is like better than the opposition in terms of uh, jungle. Uh, so that's why I, I value him so so highly. But it's close. It's definitely close. I think it's really difficult because I think a lot of the decision for me because like I look I looked at all the stats for everyone that I thought was eligible and like they're all insane, right? It's easy. Like G two are the most winning team in the league. Giancos is number one in kills plus assists at 15 minutes for jungle. Luca's number one in mid. Luca's number one in DPM for every champ that I give a shit about, which is Rise, LeBlanc, and Zoe champions where you can actually deal damage and there's actually some skill expression there. Well, you can argue about Zoe, but I think it's there. Um, you know? And and it's and it's just like, it looks like both of you are getting better over the course of the split. I think my issue is, is it's in my eyes, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Luca, because this is one of the biggest kind of arguments that I had in my head. And like you said, it's all subjective. Um, but to me, the gap between Yankos and every other jungler is bigger than the gap between you and every other mid laner. Do you think that's fair to say? Mm, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I think it's I think it's about the same. I mean, I think like uh, I could make a case for both. I mean, the, for sure, Yankos is like the best jungler in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and that's and this sucks. I kind of wish you guys were on different like, teams, so it wouldn't be so hard to argue. I don't want you to feel be, like you're throwing Yankos under the bus. It's no, no. I mean, I'm not throwing you under the bus. Like we are really good friends, and we worked together for two years, almost three years now. And mm-hmm. I said even before, when people were like, I remember like in 38 people were saying that Brox was better than Yankos. I was always like trying to put the narrative away, you know, like the casters and whatnot. You know, they were always like trying to make a case for Brox being the best young in the league. It was always a bit like, a bit uh, sad for me to see Diane Kostro under the bus. And I'm really happy that, that he's getting all the praises the last year and this year. But uh, it's also like I'm a competitor with him right now, you know, in the MVP vote. Mm. Well, I, I already kind of like mentally wrote off getting MVP ever. I don't think it's just like not my thing. I think there is always a someone who is just better than me, just slightly better than me. So that's like, that's okay, you know. I can accept that. I can accept that defeat. Uh, but I also think that uh, both me and Jankos have just been playing really good this split. It's not about like just the context of how we've been playing. It's also about how we prepare for the games and how we uh, like our champion pools. Both of us have been playing many different champions and we gain advantages in draft either by picking a strong duo early, like mid-jungle duo, or we go 4-5 or five and we still get a strong champ. I know there was like one week that we were like, no, there was like this week where we went zero to right against uh, Schalke and Misfits, and that that week was like a bit a bit of a throw off because like when we lost to Misfits, we all we all were kind of like shocked. So the next day, like me and I could speak to Rise this and then we went bot level three to try to dive enemy botland, and it just went like really wrong. Like no one of us called each other. Like four of us bots didn't call each other off, and they were like TPing, and we had these flashes and stuff. It was like disaster. It was a really disaster. So that game, we like we entered it together, you know. But I think that like definitely Jankos has been performing really well. But if you also compare, because uh, the first initial was that uh, Jankos is much better than every other jungler, which I think is true. But I think there's also like Selfmade who played really well the split, 
and I want to give him some credit as well, right? right? Because he did uh, perform. Um, and um, I, I don't know who else was there from Jungle. I don't think there was anyone else who was outstanding. Uh, yeah, I thought that the beginning of Split Inspired would be really, really good. But Rogue as a whole and him, they just had some really questionable performances. So um, I'm not sure about... Yeah, I don't think there's any, any more like really scary junglers in the league. So yeah, that's basically it. That's my take. I'm curious who's up there with... Uh, God, all I say is I'm curious. It's my crutch word. Um, who's up there with you in mid lane? Because you said it's like Yankos, but like self-made deserves that recognition. Who else deserves that recognition from you, do you think, in mid lane? Because I think most people just immediately jump to Nemesis. Um, for one reason or another, but like, is there so, is there another mid laner that you look at or take in the seriously in the same way that like Yankos might want to look at self made? Uh, I don't actually. It's like the only thing is like mid lane. I feel like right now is like slightly different than it was back when I was playing it before. Uh, for like few reasons. For I mean, for example, right now I had like a whole year of like sitting sitting back and just watching the mid laners play. And it was even easier for me to see who is who I think was doing good and doing pressure, like like pressure in the map or something, being good at each way. But when you play mid, it's like another different perspective on who you think is good. Like everyone does something different in a way, and everyone has different strengths. So I don't like before it was season eight. It was very easy for me to say, oh yeah, me and Cups were for sure like the best because we were playing the meta champs the best, and we were. Uh, just at the strong because there was a lot of open meta champs back then. Like season eight was like a good year to play mid. Season nine, I didn't play mid. There was a lot of open meta champs. Now in season ten, there's not actually like that many OP, like what you consider meta champs. Like it's not like Midland doesn't have like a you don't pick mid early almost mm -hmm. ever because there is no OP champions. The OP champions are in the botland and jungle, I guess, because you pick those <laughs> early. And the everyone goes four or five, and then whoever can play the most champions at the highest level is basically uh, the, like, should be considered like the best, right? Because of the mm -hmm. way how Midland works right now is like, you want to have the best pick that feels, that fits your team comp, and you want to perform well on those picks, even though maybe you're not as practicing them. Then that's something that was my strength for like, ever since I joined LCS, basically. I always liked playing different champions. There was also like Cup's strength as well. And so in that way, we are similar that we all like to play like different champions and different styles. And um, basically, I don't really know who would I... Uh, I didn't actually look that much at other millionaires this split. I didn't, I didn't actually mind. I didn't, I didn't want to like compare myself to anyone or like create like any more of competition than I already have to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've like kind of over the point where I want to compare myself to someone else or look at what someone else does. Uh, so it's really hard. I, I could like say for a few players like what I think they do good and what they bring to their team. But every like I feel like every mid learner from that league, like you mentioned Fabian, right? He does a lot for his team, right? But I also think that every mid learner on each team does something for his team, but they also does do something bad for each team. So I could like uh, uh, give a praise and criticize each mid learner on each team, and that's I, I guess someone could do that for me as well. So. It's really hard for me to say. Like, I don't think there is like a clear. If you are saying that I'm the best, I don't think then there is a clear cut second. Then, if that is the the, the argument, because I, I don't see any of these midlaners doing like not even two of them or three of them do the same thing as the other one does. 
if you if you know what I mean. Like for example, yeah, Nuke. Yeah. Nuke plays a lot of tanks and he plays a lot of like supportive champions. No other mid laner does it. Nemesis likes to play mages and like Vagar, like Pocket Peaks, you know, no 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 other mid laner plays that like that. Then Humanoid plays uh like you could compare for example Humanoid and Fabian because they both like to play like Assassin's Split. Like kind of, I would say. Fabian played some more mages as well. And then you can say that Humanoid ints much more. Like much, much, much more. But he also like has because he ends much more, he has like like I guess more solo kills or something, like more plays. Like oh, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. he killed he, he killed the Wounders Aatrox on Silent with LeBlanc and he really started popping off. And I was like really triggered that he's just like popping off, you know, when he wasn't doing anything on lane. So I was like, oof man, maybe I'll play LeBlanc only from now on, you know. But that's like that's the moment of weakness, right? So you could basically just um make a case for each player doing something good and not doing something good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it doesn't I mean, make sense. It's kind of like in depth, but yeah. I I mean I I am two minds about this. Like I agree with what you're saying and I think that that's I think it's cool that like mid lane people can there's room for mid laners to to be unique and to bring different things to the table cuz as cool as last year was it was like how good can you play a Kali Silas, you know. Yeah. Rise I, I, I personally per, I personally prefer that than the, I mean actually I don't mind either. But like having OP champion, and you like you you get it, and you know you will win. Uh, that just feels really good. Like uh, <laughs> that that just like, you you just have a lot of like confidence, you know, going into. Because let's say if I have like twenty games on Akali, Salas, and Rise, I will be confident that I can play it better than any other player in the world because that's just how I am. And if I'm playing a champion and I'm first time playing on stage, I'll be confident I can play it at a high level. But I will for sure not be as good at it. As if I'm playing, as if I already practiced 20 weeks, 20 games with the champ and a week, right? So it's kind of, uh, I feel like it's kind of worse for me to have this meta, but it's mm-hmm. also better for, let's say, the team. Because it's easier to, if you're a good mid laner, you can easier feel a comp, basically. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, obviously, as an individual, you wish you had been playing mid last year for. That was, <laughs> yeah. a, great, that was a great mid meta. Like, every <laughs> single much, game was yeah. a freaking so montage. <laughs> so envious. Envious of cups. I think to, yeah. to add just uh, about the mid lane point, I think, I think we're in a meta where I, I personally value players that are the most well rounded. I think in this type of meta, you get away with way more because you can focus on playing like champions that. Uh, just uh, you prefer, like some people have been like locking in Azir and some people have been playing some Corky blind and some people play Leblanc. Like you, you can get away with playing what you want. But in the end, I think it's the most impactful to be able to play uh, many, many different champions in, in different scenarios. Like the, the game that stands out to me the most is the game where uh, you guys, the first game you guys played against Fnatic, enemy has GP, you lock in Rise and... Uh, Enemy has to show mid lane fifth. They lock in Vegar, and I think just the fact that you have Rise prepared in this moment is so much better than you. For yeah, example, it wasn't like Azir. that. It wasn't like that prepared, you know. But it was more like it was pretty good pick there. So <laughs> I picked it. But uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, what you're saying. And uh, for me, like the most well-rounded mid laners uh, in terms of like the the champion precision in terms of what you pick, I think it was it was Sparks number one, and then Fabian second, and then when I look at Nemesis. In some scenarios, I think he's super, super good. In some scenarios, worse. Because I remember the, also the series when he was playing Akali against you guys, like 10 games in a row. And I think if if he was better at Akali post like 15, 20 minutes, I think that series would look different. So I always view uh, Nemesis very critically in terms of um, uh, like playing. Uh, I think Majesty plays well. And then I think whenever the meta shifts in something like 
more assassin heavy or um, yeah pretty much where it, when it's more assassin heavy i'm more worried about a player like this so whenever like the meta shifts into something more specific as you mentioned perks this is something you enjoy more uh, i think uh, some of the players will fade out and do do worse because they're not as well-rounded as 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 you are and then for me second would be then Fabiven and then maybe uh, even Nukta because he can uh, stick uh, in in any type of uh, meta I think. I think that's fair I think your list is fair and I think yeah I mean honestly I, th- I think it's it's a good list yeah it what, what you're saying makes sense like, a lot of people like wouldn't I guess put Nuke there but it's kind of because of the champions he's playing as well yeah. and I feel like he in the early games he was like having good performances on the champions as well and he like Took a role like it takes a lot. Honestly, it takes a lot to like take a role like that onto team where you're like, okay, I'm gonna be the tank, I'm gonna be the support, I'm gonna be the guy who's gonna play for my team, you know, and pick the chance for my team. And he's doing very well for that. And I think that's also a big reason why I didn't want to pick Origin is because I think it's harder to draft against Nuke than against uh, Humanoid. I think Humanoid is probably a better laner than Nuke right now in the, I mean, because of the champions he's playing right like even though he does play more assassins and he likes to try to like win his lane at least so i think in that case it's also more fun for me to play against humanoid because i know nuke's job would be to like neutralize me and humanoid's job is to basically carry the game from mid right so in that way i'm gonna have like a better like mini game battle against humanoid than i will mm-hmm. against nuke and that uh, also makes me like more kind of like happy playing against Mad than against like Origin. If I have to play against Origin, like the first game and I'm playing against Tanks and Kartus Jungle, like I'll be really tilted. <laughs> I will just lose easily. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about playoffs then. Because I think that like the next the next thing, like MVP is obviously very close, but then like first round of playoffs, you guys are playing Mad. I'm, I'm, the way that you describe this mid lane matchup has me hype. I'm excited to see this one. I think Yamato's casting this one, so... It's if it's an absolute banger, God bless. But um, talking about the matchup versus Mad past this mid lane, like how do you guys feel about going up against this team? Are do you feel threatened at all? I think last time I talked to you guys forever ago, uh, the the opinion on Mad Lions was basically like sometimes they show up and they play brilliant, and sometimes they show up on stage and they just run it down, and that kind of yeah. like made you uncertain. But that was I mean, much earlier in the split. For sure, there there is there is something about Mad Lions just because we lost against them. So there, there is something that Fatigue also slows long into them. So there's like something about this mid lions that, that gets you like uh, thinking about them. But uh, I think they don't really like, think about them more and more. They don't actually have anything that like makes them stick out from other teams. They're just like another uh, like rookie aggressive team that wants to like show up, right? So basically, when playoffs comes, even though it's not it's not offline, I still think that's where I perform better than in regular season and uh just because i can mentally prepare for the games that actually matter it's really hard to stay mentally focused on every single game in like when you go i remember like when i went to the studio to play the chalky game and i played rise and i was like did i just go all the way to studio like waste four hours of my life five maybe <laughs> just to play this one rise game and just like go home like like what a what a what a bad day like why would i do that you know and um so playing playoffs is just more hype because play, you get to play more games, you get to uh, do more plays, you know, you get to show a bit more. That's basically what league is about. So uh, playing against Mad Lions, uh, I think it's more hype that we play against them online because they we had like some iffy scream records against them. I mean, we it was always like kind of close, you know, but we were like they were they were doing some. I think they I think they were good, right? So uh, it's gonna be 
I mean, I don't know what I, what to say. You know, it's gonna be a bit bloody, but I honestly expect us to win it. <laughs> wow! Wow! Strong. That's that's. I'm gonna be honest, Luca. That's not quite the strong prediction that I was hoping for. I I, I think. I mean, I think. Okay, I didn't want to go that far yet, but I think we will three zero them. Uh, unless they have like some really crazy cheese prepared for us, I don't know what it could be. But I'm really hyped for the uh, middle matchup, like playing some assassins against humanoids online. So it's kind of like scrims. So it's gonna be like a lot of inting going on there. Let's see on which side, you know. But I'm pretty hyped for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what? Let's set some expectations for the fans then. Like, what? What version of G2 are we gonna see? Like, is online playing at home G2 just like scrim G2? You said like you you can focus, you can prepare for one specific matchup, and that like gave me a lot of faith that this was going to be like full strength, full steam ahead. And then you also said we're going to troll, and it's going to be like I mean, scrim. I have no idea. Like, it's like what is like what is even full strength G2? We're just like we we don't know we don't know what our full strength is. That is, that is like our thing. Like we haven't even shown our true power yet. <laughs> so we we are uh, basically uh, not sure what's going to happen. Because um, like sometimes our screams are like very very good. For example, in the last like one week, I think we are like really good in screams, and we are playing more and more magic than ever. So maybe that's the key. <laughs> we will just keep playing magic the whole time. Um, we are we are doing really really well. And um, so before we were like kind of we had like low weeks where we were like not doing that well. I guess like some weeks, not a lot of them. But um, so online, I feel like we. I mean, I kind of like it just because it kind of it still removes some of your nerves uh, that you would have on stage, and that's just how it how it is. Like the environment is different, and yeah, everything is different. So it's kind of like scream, but it's not a scream because you still feel better than screams because you're focused more because you know your brain knows something is on the line. All people are watching you. This matters. Your brain knows that. Your brain prepares for prepares for that, and therefore makes you more focused making you play better than, than in streams, than in practice, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's something that is working really well for us. Like, I'm really happy that, uh, for example, like, Mickey uh, picked Bard uh, on the on, uh, online game, you know? Like, he said he would never pick it on stage. I know he would not. He's, like, a little... He would not pick that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, like, for example, like they're also around mid to level 3, Talia Trash. Like, they would never do this on stage. We just went back and then mid-level level 3. Uh, so I, I know that like this is some things that we will feel more confident doing online just because it feels that there is less pressure on you. And that also, I think it just benefits us. Like I mean, we have to see, but <laughs> like, I think we will play really good with this Like I, I have a, I have a, how is it called? A, a hunch? hunch? A feeling? A feeling? Hunch. Yeah, let's, let's just say a feeling. Let's just say a feeling. Uh, <laughs> I am. I mean, look. I'm always happy about the bard. I asked for the bard literally every week, and finally it came out. Um, I, I liked it. It was a bit of a weird game, but you guys clearly stomped, so it all worked out. Uh, I mean, it's good to hear that you're not like negatively affected by this. I never know what to expect for teams because some teams like really need the stage and need that pressure to perform well. But obviously, you've been around for so long that it's good to hear that, that that's not something that you need that you can, can kind of perform under it sounds like just about any circumstance uh but i mean you I, think you just have to right it's not like it's not like i, I would probably prefer playing on stages because it's like the feeling you get like let's say going through uh budapest you know there will be there will be i would prefer that but it's an experience but this is still like 
what, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to like develop it and say, oh my, I wish we were just playing on stage. Oh no, we're going to lose this split. Like, why are we not playing on stage? Like, like what, like what should I do about it? You know, I, I, so I just have to basically have to like accept every situation you're given and just enjoy it and make the best out of it. And same for this like situation of playing online. I don't actually mind. How does, how does, so how does this compare to you? Like your, your other years, your other experiences in playoffs? Cause you're playing from home, but it's also your first season back in mid, um, does it feel like there's, does this feel easier? Does this feel like the easiest you've ever had? Or is this like comparative? Like, yeah, like compare it to like your other seasons because you've been around for so long. You've played in so many friggin' playoffs, I'm sure with varying degrees of pressure. Like, what does it feel like these days when you get into playoffs? And then on top of that, now you're playing from home. I mean, for sure, it just feels like everything this feels like really int. Like uh, we are like roll swapping for two years in a row. And we are also... Uh, like playing online now because of coronavirus. So it doesn't even feel like it's real life anymore. Like it's not like I can do anything about it. You know, it's like not even up to me what's going to happen. I'm just going to try my best. I give my best. And then if we win, that's great. We win online, you know. We get this online trophy in our on our back. <laughs> and if we don't, then we just lose. And then we just have some more freedom to do our free stuff in the house because we can't leave the house, right? So, I mean, it's not like something I actually think about or even spend time thinking about or even try to think about and if i do i just don't think about it because i try to control what i think about and uh, i just like i i can't do anything about it right about us playing online or like what is the difference between playing online on stage well it's just i i don't know i don't actually think about it i just play like basically <laughs> so it's yeah. hard for me to answer the question because uh, uh, i don't think it actually matters what circumstances i'm put in like it's just uh you have to perform in either of them right yeah and i respect the mentality and it also sounds like from what you said you're like consciously this is not the time where you're gonna have like a philosophical debate with yourself about how does this compare to the past years you're just like i'm i exist in this mode i'm here to play playoffs we will get through this whatever is going to happen it's going to happen which i think i mean if it's working dude honestly keep it up i think everyone's figuring out in their own way how to kind of survive and stay sane and stay happy in the midst yeah. of all this uh all this quarantine um the big thing that i think that yamato's you, this is something that yamato that you've been really passionate about talking yeah. about in the past and i kind of want to turn it over to you and i want to talk a little bit about burnout because not only are you i think the one of the most if not the most qualified player to talk about this kind of subject but also we're in such a weird circumstance now uh that it's just i think it's yeah it's a good time so, so I'm I'm curious because you know I remember when I uh, when I met Perks for the first time it was I am uh, Cologne I think 2015 uh, he was a sub for for Dignitas we <laughs> spent the night listening to Gilius stories because he lived in the area was, uh, at the time I wouldn't know you know but then the next year in scrim we scrim against Perks and and Trick and and I was like what what is going on here you know it was absolutely crazy and um, following uh, your career Perks. Even though uh, the performances at the World Championship have been like disappointing the first two years with G2 because of various uh, situations, I always felt like you were very consistent in your performance. Especially Definitely. coming I in. To, to 16, I was pretty consistently bad. Yeah, it's, it's pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> like if, we look back, if we look past 2016, because it was kind of a mess of a year. Right? Yeah, with the MSI, yeah. it was definitely the benching, yeah. and then then in Mithy, yeah. and then coming into 2017, you guys went second place MSI, and at the World Championship, you guys, uh, I think you had a very very hard group, but I think 
almost almost you got uh, G2 through the group, you know? And then 2018, once again, like when your performance mattered the most, you managed to 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 peak in a very, very good way together with Wunder and, and Jankos, coming into the world championship and then the regional qualifier. I I just I've noticed this trend of you always bringing it when it matters, and I think it's more to it than just saying, "Oh, this guy has the special fire." I'm I'm curious as to how do you space things out and how do you make sure that you you peak at the right time? Is there is this something that you put your mind into, or do you know like, "Oh, this is the amount of time I need for it"? How how is the process of of peaking for you? Uh, well, I would love to. Explaining it thoroughly, but I could not really. I think it's just how I, I function. I think it's uh, mm. uh, probably. I mean, I'm. Uh, if I look back at like my uh, childhood and everything, right? I'm just. Uh, I was. I just a regular kid, you know. And I'm still like just a kid, you know. In my head, I'm still like just a kid. But I just like to think that I'm just made to play this game, right? And do my best here, and then use all the skills I learned here to do something else good for myself and the people around me after my career. So I think this is all just like um, uh, the whole career is just like a learning curve for me for something else in the future, right? And uh, me peaking at the right time is just basically, I guess, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I do something extremely special for it. It's, I just basically, I know this is important. I know I have to perform here. I know what kind of mindset I have to have to perform with my teammates. I think it's just basically after 2016, where I was basically inting a lot and trying to make a lot of solo plays. I mean, I had like the summer split where I was still performing very well, but I had some moments where I was really running it down just because I wanted to do some like flashy, some crazy plays, right? And then after that, I just kind of told myself that I, don't, I want to be the guy that always does best for his team because that's what's gonna, what's gonna get you wins, not like you performing the best yourself. And if me performing the best myself, like let's say 2018 meta, uh, would give me the best wins for my team, that's something I should do, right? So I always just look what is the best way for me to perform for my team, like what I need to do to win for my team. And if I need to take a more supportive role or more carry role, I'm down to take either of them. I think uh, historically I'm better at taking the carry roles than supporter roles, but I think also, this split, I am. I try to take more of a supportive role in terms of like learning how to row more and just play for my teammates more rather than myself. Uh, so more kind of like uh, I guess what Cups used to do before. And um, when it comes playoffs, I try to think about the what is the best way for me to prepare for each for each opponent and what are the best champions to prepare. And then I just know I have to perform. It's not like I guess much more to it than that. <laughs> I just know my brain knows that I have to perform, and I will just perform. I'm very confident in myself performing because I've already performed a lot of times. <laughs> is that is, yeah? So is that a skill that you built that just like I'm gonna perform? Boom! It happens. Like you know what it does. You just you just you, you turn it on. You turn it off. Like I need to perform here. I know that's what needs to happen, and I do it. Was there like a time in your career? Because you talk about the time in your career where you're like you're trying to go for flashy plays, but that doesn't sound like that sounds like you're trying to overperform rather than like anything else. Was it ever a struggle to get yourself in the right headspace to um to like show up on the day to show up on stage? I mean, for sure in 2016, like in my first year, in my rookie year, but it was also like, it was so many outsides 
external variables. <laughs> so it was so many external variables uh, to what was happening that like I, I don't know, like a normal like a normal other player could not like could not even comprehend how many things was going on in my head that year. It was really like through the roof what was happening, you know, in the in the scenes in the back of the scene, right? So it was a lot of a lot of problems uh, that we were occurring in G2, and that also was just making me, I don't know, play worse, like be out of my headspace, right? I was also very young. I mean, I'm still young, but I was 17, and 17 is like much much different than 21. <laughs> Uh, or at least like it feels like it, you know. I feel like yeah, it is. I think it is, dude. I, think I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it's for everybody, you know, but it's for sure like much, much different for me than twenty than uh, seventeen. And um, I think it's just, I guess, I guess the biggest difference I could say is probably that when I was seventeen, it was more of like a kind of like a dream. I guess I wasn't actually um, aware of what was happening. Like I just basically left home. And I was doing, I was just, I mean, I was going out like probably every week, you know, just like drink every second week, I guess. And it was not only me, like it was a lot of pro, like every pro player was going out. So we were like all going out together, you know, and it was, it was pretty funny because you get to like new little players from other teams and I guess like hear their stories, you know, and stuff. And um, so we were going out a lot and I was just inting in solo queue a lot, you know, I was just playing for fun. And uh, it was a lot different. Like I didn't know what this is like to be a professional in something, you know. And uh, yeah, so I think that's basically the biggest difference is I learned how to grow, how to grow to be a professional. I mean, I remember those days, Luca. Like that was the, and like people tell me those days were chill compared to the start of what EULCS was back when it was first came to be. So. It was kind of the Wild West. And we've talked before on the on this podcast about like social media alone and like public perception was such a huge pressure on you. And then to hear that there's also like maybe behind the scenes stuff that you had to deal with too. I think <laughs> it's actually really surprising to me, dude, that you've you've made it as far as you have and you've been as successful as you have despite all that. Because I think there's so many people who would break under all of that pressure yeah, or I mean, all of that stress. I think, yeah, basically just like, so many things were hitting me that it just like made me like much stronger, <laughs> much much stronger, you know. And uh, it was like, yeah, it was pretty insane. Uh, what I what I went through, like mentally, it was really really crazy. So yeah, I think not many people can understand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think all all I'll say is like I think. In the spirit of not throwing anyone under the bus, obviously, like you don't want to say any anything bad about like former teammates or the drama that happens. All I say is, when you retire, write a book, write something. You know, when esports. Oh, I, I was gonna do. I already have like I already have plan to do it. Yeah, for sure, yeah, I will do it. Yeah, because yeah. I'm gonna say like I, I. This is I know a lot of tidbits of the story, and it's a damn interesting story. This just isn't the place to tell it, especially why a lot of people, a lot of these people are still working in esports. So, I think just like, you know. When you just make sure your Dun- Dunzo manifesto gets published when you decide to leave. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that. that's the greatest, the greatest Dunzo manifesto of all times. <laughs> oh man, the early days of esports were whew, questionable, questionable at best. Um, well, I'm, I I don't know about you, Yamana, but I think it's like it's really cool to hear your story, Luca, 
Um, and it's also it's also at the same time it's a little sad because I wish there was some secret sauce. There was some like success that we could like harvest from this and transfer to other players. But your secret to success seems to be like survive everything the world threw at you and come back stronger. Which while it's a great mantra and makes a good Kanye West song, like <laughs> I can't replicate that success with anybody else. You know. <laughs> I think I think the key thing is just uh, like some people. Like in terms of how their personality is wild and uh, like everything can kind of just aligns for it, you know. I remember, I remember when when I worked with Mickey. I don't know how much he is how he is uh, in a team environment, but I remember working with him, and he just loved the game so much. And how do you teach this to anyone? He just loves the game so much. I had to say, Mickey, you have to play less. You have to play less. You're playing too much, Mickey. It's it's the craziest issue to to have with with the player, and um, I think. Some personality traits just align perfectly, and from the sounds of it, uh, with you perks, it just sounds like your motivation uh, in terms of how much effort you p- put in kind of aligns perfectly in terms of finding the key moments to perform the best. I imagine uh, coming closer and closer to uh, those key moments, whether it's the World Championship, or MSI, or or playoffs, uh, your motivation spikes, and with it, your your effort and your idea of what you need to be. It becomes more clear to you, and um, if 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 I misunderstand it, you can you can correct me. Oh, uh, it's, it's true. Yeah. It just seems like uh, that the personality traits were just right there, and through diversity, usually if if you conquer diversity, usually you come out stronger out of it. No matter how cliche it sounds, it's. I think you're looking for adversity. Cool. Adversity. Adversity. Yeah. I mean, for sure, like experiences make you better, right? And it's not like just for league, right? It's like for general in life, whatever. If you experience something extreme, like, I don't know, I'm going to say something like a trauma or something, you'll for sure be like better at handling if it happens ever again, right? And it's mm-hmm. not like ever since 2016 year, it's not like I had like easy mental years. Every year was rough mentally. This is not an easy job. I think this is the easiest year I had. It was also because of... This goes more into depth of like how I am as a person and how I think and how I uh, I'm basically raised, right? But this year I just learned how to get a better balance of how much I want to practice and how do I want to approach scrims. And in general, I just try to get not as frustrated. Like people, I, I used to think getting frustrated is good, you know, because it means I care and it means that I should like give my best 100% every single scream. And I still try to do that. But I don't anymore get frustrated if my if I feel like my teammates don't do that because before, like let's say even last year, I was getting stressed a lot of times because I was playing Botland and I was feeling like my teammates would like not be giving their best in scrims while I was giving my best. But that was just a feeling I had. It wasn't actually true. Maybe at times it was. <laughs> I'm not gonna go into details, right? But basically, I just learned how to deal with situations better mentally as well. And it's like every year was a struggle. Like this is probably like the best. Like the net probably is like for sure the best year of my career because of how how good I feel mentally and how how uh, happy I am inside, right? And every other year was like a struggle at a different point and like different um, a lot of different reasons. I'm not gonna go into depth into anything, but that's just my headspace, right? And everyone has to deal with their own headspace and what what troubles them. So everyone has like some sort of problem to solve, and that's uh, basically what I was doing every year. And now I'm just trying to be as helpful as I can and not trying to solve everyone else's problem, if that makes sense, right? Just 
enjoying a bit more, uh, enjoying like, just like being a bit more relaxed and just trying to do best I can, but not like pushing anyone to do more than they should. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's just, it's just continues to be stunning to me. Um, <laughs> like that, like, no, because like, because you, and we also had reckless on and he kind of like, he opened up and talked a lot about like what he had to go through to kind of grow and to like, you know, become a better person, still be a great player and like stay sane basically in the world of esports. Um, but the fact that both of you have done this in the world of esports, which like now it's all very professional. Now there's facilities, now there's coaches, now there's structure and it's not perfect, but like it's coming together. The fact that you survived the early days of like coaches being random people we pulled off Twitter, um, uh, you know, and like gaming houses, maybe not having heating or plumbing half the time, you know, like or computers like, or computers. Like the fact that you survived those early, the early days and like came through stronger for that. It's cool. That said, I sincerely hope no one ever has to go through it again, <laughs> but I'm glad that we at least have a few success cases that it's like, who stars did. That's make. why, that's why I respect all the, like all the veterans, you know, like all the old school guards. I respect Nuke a lot. Like, honestly, like, I, I think Nuke is like, good you know like he's a really good player like he yes he's been playing since season three and he's still like one of the best in my opinion in the league of millionaires so i he's been through a lot you know a lot of different things and i think that's just the way he's wired you know he doesn't actually he cares you know but he doesn't actually like it doesn't actually bother him anything that happens and that's why he's also like uh survived i guess in a way you know mm -hmm. and it's like for is a bit different because he had like a rough year in na and i kind of like his headspace you know and as soon as he can get back on track, there is another reason why he will not be as successful again, right? So I I respect the the older players. I mean, I oh, oh that's I guess like a given, right? But I kind of yeah. like to see how players' careers evolve throughout the years, um, yeah. especially like especially the veterans, right? Yeah, it's always it's always a thrill. I think to see people stick around for a long time, I think it always, and then, and still perform. Same with Faker, right? Like it's, yeah. it's absolutely crazy. How long has this guy's been playing for? It's insane. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious who survives from this generation, you know, who sticks around for the next five, 10 years of whatever League of legends lifespan yeah. is, you know? Um, but to wrap this whole thing up, I want to set our audience and also just our minds forward to the playoffs round one is coming up um thank you luca for talking so much about kind of like history but since we're already talking about nuke deck um i wanted to kind of get your thoughts really quickly on Fnatic og you yamato as well just some kind of quick hits on what you expect here um not to make you praise nuke deck then immediately give a Fnatic prediction but if that's what has to happen that's what has to happen so um yeah what are, what are your guys' thoughts on on this matchup first oof Oof, I'm not sure, honestly. Like, I, I'm because right now, I don't know how much I can talk about this, right? But like, we are screaming both of the teams. Obviously, oh. I'm not gonna leak any picks. <laughs> but it's like it's just funny to see, uh, like, because I I like to scream those teams just to see like how um how they perform in the week because there is like more pressure obviously on yourself to perform and like to prepare for the team. Mm. So I like to see how they play, you know. So I don't really like want to give like because my prediction will be biased. I will be, I think, yeah. yeah, actually, I would say if you don't want to give a prediction, that's totally fair. Because if you've yeah. scrimmed both teams and you know yeah. what both teams are trying to do, you probably have more insight than but you it's like, let's say, let's say, Let's say if they were playing on stage, like on stage, I think mm -hmm. I would have always given it to Fnatic just because of history and shown that the players do perform on stage. But this is the first playoffs ever that's online. So I don't actually know how this is, how this like clown fiesta is going to pull out like from all the teams. I, I have no idea how anyone performed. 
madness. It's disaster, guys. It's chaos. Like, we can't walk outside. It's quarantine. Like, the zombies are coming soon, man. Like, uh, so just, uh, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I will just say it's going to be a great match. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luca. Uh, Yamada, you have anything else you want to add? Well, I, I don't have uh, secret sauce information, so like it's it's easy for me to to lean towards fanatic. I think it's so freaking hard. What people uh, will kind of uh, look away from is when you are playing from regular split one week break into playoffs. You don't have that much time to like fix some major issue or improve something massively. I think a lot of uh, the form we're going to we saw already in regular split is going to transfer into playoffs i think it's difficult to to add many more champions onto that unless teams already from the get-go during the regular split were practicing things that they're going to pull out in playoffs and i think some teams were at a higher liberty with this and some teams were less i imagine for the top three since it was it has been cemented for quite some time uh, you guys had that liberty and uh, I think we're going to see a lot of interesting picks for the, from the top three and from the bottom three less so coming into it. But uh, I have to give it uh, to Fnatic against Origin just because of what's been seen so far. Uh, and I think um, uh, Origin, we are very, very good in terms of uh, playing like uh, the, the standard game. But even they lost against Mad Lions when they threw some, some crazy shit at them. They picked like they had there was like a Renekton mid, and then there was Syndra bottom, and there was a dive on bottom, and all of a sudden they were like bleeding, bleeding super, super hard. And uh, I'm sure this is what Mad Lions pulled off is going to work against other teams. It's not like some secret counter to Origin, but uh, it definitely like whenever something out of the ordinary happens, I think uh, this is the way you you beat uh, Origin and how you want to attack them. Because I think when you play like the standard and slow game, you can't. And I just believe that Fnatic can easily do that because looking at the nature of how Fnatic games look like after you reach a certain point in time, after 10 minutes, the pacing of the game is just much, much higher. And I would say the same for G2. And I think this comes out of the fact of how well Selfmade and, and Hillisang just use Fog of War. And I think Destiny and Xerxes do not uh, match them. Hmm. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts on that matchup. Um, we'll wrap here. Misfits and Rogue, of course, is the final matchup. But if you want to watch that one, you can tune in on Sunday starting at 4.30 p.m. But on Friday, we're going to have G2 versus Mad. The broadcast is going to start at 5.30 p.m. Fnatic versus OG on Saturday, also starting at 4.30 p.m. I did that a little bit backwards. So it's 5.30, 4.30, 4.30. That is Central European time for anyone looking to watch. Um, Perks. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast digitally, virtually. I pointed well, at your... Thank um, you for her. Well, my room is like a bit messy, so if like the producer could cut like this, like, <laughs> this side off like this, I would put the camera on like just like this and make my camera like a bit... I didn't actually realize what I was like putting the camera. So uh, producer, please do that. Like don't show my messy room. I'll get comments. Oh, why is your room messy? Clean up, please. It's so, fine. Um, I may have yeah. accidentally pushed a hotkey to change my scene, which put my webcam much smaller. So I think, <laughs> I think Phil Choi, who will be editing this, I'm so sorry, Phil. I, we love you dearly um, but thank you this has been episode 12 of Euphoria thank you Yamanokin and thank you Perch for coming on and yeah thank you guys for having me have a wonderful day stay safe yes, don't leave the house remember to subscribe to uh, Twitch TV G2 Perks also you can check out my YouTube channel uh, they will be great um, there's new videos every week and just have a nice nice day guys yeah check it out boost those boost those accounts let's go <laughs>